My skin is as thin as rice paper stretched across a frame. My lips as red as a temple door. I am not like other women. I won't walk, won't talk without you. I'll wait in a field of snow, listening for the click of your heels on ice for your black leather shoes. When your hands touch my cheeks, I'll blossom like a cherry tree, mouthless, flower in the snow. I'll raise my head, I'll fix my eyes on you. Won't you recognize me? You know you do. You were the one wearing my voice, making incisions inside me. How blank the interior, how perfectly smooth, pale as the lining of a clam. But you grow tired of inhabiting me. Retreat, retreat from my blank, lacquered shell. Wendy Chen, they call me Madam Butterfly. Raddick, Lena, Ventress, gagged and bound to chairs in the living room of an abandoned house in Ville Perdue. Thornson, ranting, figuring, soliloquizing. The three bound women look at one another. They are starting to worry, even though Thornson has not gotten to Theory 2 just yet. I know you have a little life in you. 
Edith Hall, The Return of Ulysses. Quote, Arguably the most important symbol in the Odyssey is neither Odysseus's bow nor Phemius's lyre, but Penelope's huge loom. The weaving Penelope has reappeared in countless paintings, sculptures, and tapestries over the centuries. Walcott's sad Maud in Omeros creates a quilt embroidered with the birds that symbolize the voyage to and from Africa. Another dying woman, the protagonist in Marina Carr's play, Woman and Scarecrow, evokes Penelope and resonances by knitting incessantly as she laments her husband's errant ways. In the Odyssey, Penelope's making and unmaking of the same shroud for her father-in-law is also the primary image of the oral poet's endless recreation of his song. Angle on Thornson. Thornson. So, oh, yes, theory one, it fits. Close on Lena in profile, shot past Radic. Ventress barely at the right edge of frame. It is possible that ancient Greek women sang epic stories. The catalog of famous women in the underworld, enjoyed by the Phaeacian queen, may contain vestiges of the types of women's traditional song that have been recorded in Indian villages. But it is certain that fabric production was central to women's lives. Domestic task forces spent long days turning wool into fabrics for soft furnishings and clothes. At the house's thresholds, they received from their menfolk the fleece culled from the flocks in the outdoor world, removed the grease, and scoured it clean. They dried it, dyed, combed, and teased it into roves, spun yarn from them with distaff and spindle, and then loaded the warp yarn weighted onto looms. It was only at this point that weaving could begin. Angle on Thornton, second eight. Beat. But. Another beat. I didn't actually see a bear. The camera begins to pan left away from Thornton. And neither did Josie. Angle on the three women in chairs. Ventress leans forward, tries to say something, but the gag muffles it. Hmm. Lena just shakes her head. The only people who saw a bear were Lena and Ventress. Because both male and female labor is required to produce textiles, weaving became a symbol of male and female collaboration, and the Odyssey stresses that marriage is a cooperative enterprise. But because the male and female parts of the process were separated, weaving also symbolized the demarcation of the masculine from the feminine, the exterior and the interior spaces. Weaving is also, more abstractly, a symbol of technology, of taming the natural world until it becomes serviceable to humans. England Thornton, second 20. So nothing's confirmed. confirmed. Everything is on their their word. Close on Lena. She tilts her head back. Everything's on Lena's word. Lena's response is muffled. Mm. Although the analogy between weaving and making poetry can linguistically be traced back far earlier than the Odyssey into the Indo-European tradition, the analogy with the intellectual skills associated with the Odyssean hero lends the association in this epic particular intensity. England Thorns in 2nd 28, from the front, Lena's locket still dangling from her right hand. And what we know now. Thornson takes a few steps forward, closer to Lena, closer to camera. What? We 
know is that Lena is a liar. We hear Ventress's muffled response before we cut to Ventress. Then immediately back to Thornton, second 38, turning to Ventress, fuming. Shut the fuck up! When Aristotle summarized the Odyssey in his poetics, he neglected to mention any female at all. A man is away from home for many years. He is watched closely by Poseidon. Further, things at home are such that his property is being wasted by suitors, and his son is being plotted against. He arrives, storm-tossed. He causes certain recognitions. Attacking, he survives and destroys his enemies. This is proper to the poem's plot. The rest is episodes. She raises her fist, the locket dangling loose. Then she turns to Lena and we cut second 40 to Thornton from the front again, hunched forward, close to camera. Lena. You're a liar. Angle and Lena pass Thornton. She barely makes a sound. But Penelope, at least, looks mysteriously even beneath Aristotle's diction. Who were these wasteful suitors wooing? Even with Aristotle's peerless intellect and the best patriarchal will in the world, it proved impossible to delete all traces of the enigmatic Penelope from the story. Back to Thornton, second 46. Beat. Did you kill Cass? Angle on Lena. She shakes her head. This may explain why it has often been denigrated as feminine and elegant. In the late 19th century, personifications of the Odyssey tended to be decidedly ladylike. Richard Bentley argued that while Homer had composed the songs constituting the Iliad to perform at festivals in front of men, those in the Odyssey were designed for women. William Golding agreed, saying anyone who prefers the Odyssey to the Iliad has a woman's heart. Very recently, it has been argued that Homer was in fact female on the unscientific grounds that both epics seem sympathetic to women and sometimes to question violence. But a better case was made over a century ago by Samuel Butler, who, in the Authoress of the Odyssey, suggested that while the manly ethos of the Iliad was unquestionable, the poet of the Odyssey was female. End quote. Oh, <laughs> 
sarò, chi sarò e come sarà giunto, chi dirò, chi dirò, chi amerò, Peter Back to Thornton, mm. second fifty. Hmm. Did you lose your shit? Mm-hmm. Thornton stands up straight. Or do you think that I've lost my shit and now we're just gonna fuck each other up? Angle on the three women from the front. Thornton just out of frame to the right. That's the eight. And time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. Annihilation. 